As we prepare for our scripture lesson this morning, we will begin with the story of uh, Palm Sunday. So we'll be reading from uh, Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 to 11. Uh, Matthew 21, verses 1 to 11. But before we go to God's word, let's first go to God in prayer. Let us pray. Oh Lord, we give you thanks for the blessings and the joy of this morning. As we come together today, as we uh, still feel the excitement of baptism and the joy of the children in our midst, we turn our attention now to the gift of your word. We ask that your spirit would fill this room, would fill each of us, would help us to set aside the cares of this past week, the anxieties of the week to come, and would give us the gift of focus. As we read your word now, we ask that you would speak to us that we might hear and come to know who you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Matthew chapter 21, beginning at verse 1. When they had come near Jerusalem and had reached Bethphage, the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village ahead of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, just say this, The Lord needs them, and he will send them immediately. This took place to fulfill what had been spoken through the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Look, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put their cloaks on them, and he sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. The crowds that went ahead of him and that followed were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heaven. When he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil asking, Who is this? The crowds were saying, This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Here ends the first reading. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, many thanks to Pastor Derek for reading for us our first scripture passage for today. Of course, that was the classic Palm Sunday passage that we need to hear every year on this day. Uh, But if you remember the last few weeks, we have been uh, pursuing a sermon series uh, called Meeting Jesus Around the Table, and we've been hearing every single week during Lent a story of Jesus as he meets his friends and followers around a table. And so I have one of, you, one of those for you today as well. So for this second scripture reading, I'm going to be reading from the same gospel, the gospel of Matthew, chapter 26. I'll be reading verses 17 through 30. Let's listen now for the word of the Lord. On the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came to Jesus saying, where do you want us to make the preparations For you to eat the Passover. He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is near. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover meal. When it was evening, he took his place with the twelve, and while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. 
And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. He answered, The one who has dipped his hand into the bowl with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that one by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that one not to have been born. Judas, who betrayed him, said, Surely not I, Rabbi. He replied, You have said so. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Won't you join me in one more word of prayer, please? Gracious God, we have heard your word this morning. These words that we have heard are very, very familiar to us, Lord. But we ask now that your Holy Spirit would be poured out upon us so that we would not miss what you are saying to us this morning through these words. Lord, help us to hear you now and help us to take these words into our hearts and to our lives so that we can love you more. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, we have certainly come a long way this Lent, starting at the end of February until today, uh, hearing all of these scripture passages of Jesus having table fellowship with his friends. Uh, we've been doing this sermon series called Meeting Jesus at the Table. And while we have been doing this sermon series, we have also been gathering around the table ourselves, have we not? Uh, I think I'm still full from all of the soup suppers that we've had these last few weeks, and thank you to so many of you for sharing your delicious soup recipes with us. Uh, we've been eating that, and we've been having uh, several receptions back in the Robinson Room behind me with sweet treats and cakes and all of those good things. And then we can't forget that we started Lent this year with some individual dinner parties at members' homes where we gathered around the tables in small groups and got to know each other a little bit better. So much fun, so much gathering, so much food. We have been gathering both literally and figuratively around the table this Lent. So I know some of you have been traveling and out and doing your own thing and everything for some of these sermons, so I'm going to take just a second, just a second to recap what we have learned this Lent. Uh, we began quite a few weeks ago with Mike preaching about uh, the loaves and the fishes, right? That story of how Jesus took this tiny little bit of food and multiplied it out to feed thousands and we reminded ourselves that our God is a God of abundance and that when we come to our God, we are always satisfied. Then we met Jesus at a table that was filled with tax collectors and sinners. Oh my! And we met 
Matthew, that, that tax collector who was ostracized, but yet when he was called by Jesus to follow me, he left his life behind and became one of our most treasured disciples. Next, we saw Jesus eating dinner at the home of a church leader when this, when this woman of ill repute burst in and, and put some ointment, dumped some ointment on Jesus' feet. And while others there rejected her, Jesus loved all over her and he forgave her and he reminded her and everybody there that she was a loved and treasured member of God's family. And then in week four, we talked about humility. And we listen to Jesus describe that when you come to the table, you do not take the highest place of honor, but you actually take the lowest place at the table. And he reminded us of those famous words saying, for all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves will be exalted. And then last week when we were in this sanctuary without any power, uh, we heard Pastor Derek uh, talking about God's big banquet table. And he kept repeating these two words over and over again to remind us of, of how much space there is at God's big banquet table. Does anybody remember those two words that he kept saying over and over again? Anybody in the choir remember? Still room, that's right, the choir was listening, I hope you all were, yes, still room. He kept reminding us that at God's table there is still room for everybody. So throughout each of these meals, these themes of mercy and grace and welcome, right, are echoing throughout the room as Jesus used these times of table fellowship to introduce us to the kingdom of God. Today, Jesus is looking forward to the biggest meal of his life. This meal is so big and so important that we have actually given it a name. We call it the Last Supper, don't we? And I read Matthew's account of it just a few moments ago. This is a Passover meal, right? A Jewish Passover meal where Jesus would have presided and he would have gone through all of the traditional Passover rituals. But then he added some strange new words to, to those rituals. He talked about his body being broken for them and his blood being shed for them, and, and they didn't quite know what it meant. It was, a, it was a strange new experience for them. But something, something derails Jesus from going straight to the Last Supper. In fact, a funny thing happened to him that day on the way to supper. A funny thing happened to that, to that preacher, that itinerant preacher from Nazareth on his way to dinner. Matthew's Gospel describes it to us this way. He says, Jesus sent two of his disciples saying to them, go into the village ahead of you and you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her untie them and bring them to me. And so as Mike was sharing with the children just a few minutes ago, his disciples obeyed him and they went and they brought these donkeys to Jesus. Jesus hopped on the back of one of these donkeys and began to ride. And as he began to ride, a crowd started to gather and folks started to lay their palms on the ground and lay their coats on the ground. 
And folks started to wave those palms and yell, Hosanna, son of David, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. These are messianic names. They are calling Jesus. Cheers, hosannas, palm waving everywhere. The crowd loves this guy. They're getting riled up in, in, in their adulation. Jesus is their hero of the day. Surely this day will never end. Surely their support of Jesus will never, ever die. Right? There's this dinner invitation to consider. The breaking of the bread, the sharing of the cup, the guest who will betray him. We know the story, don't we? We know how fleeting Palm Sunday actually is. How fleeting the crowd support is. We know that those shouts of Hosanna, Hosanna, are in in a very short time span going to turn into shouts of crucify him in just a few days. Can't he just enjoy the moment? Can't he? But he's got this dinner to get to. As Christians who who know our Bibles and who, who read this year after year, as Christians who know the story of Palm Sunday, don't we often read this story and kind of shake our heads in disbelief? We think to ourselves, how in the world could this crowd be so fickle? How could they call Jesus son of David one day and crucify him the next? They had the Savior of the world right in front of their faces. How could they be so fickle? Oh, these first century simpletons? We would never do that, would we? Would we? Hmm. Now, to answer that question... I'm going to take you back to a year ago, okay? A year ago here in Pittsburgh. We're going back to the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs when the Pittsburgh Penguins were facing the New York Rangers in the first round. Now, it was, of course, a best-of-seven series, and at this point, the point I'm talking about, the Penguins were up three games to two. All we had to do was win one more game, and we were, boop, right off to the second round. If you recall, our top two goalies were hurt. And so we brought this no-name goalie in from Wilkes-Barre called Louis Domingue. And he actually did really well for us. Remember that? And we christened him Savior of, of Hockey Land, right? And when we found out that Louis ate spicy pork and broccoli for dinner before the games, well, we all rushed out to the Chinese restaurants and we ordered it too, right? Well, in this game, which was game six of the series, I was there, okay? I was there. Ed was there too. Uh, It was a Friday night and we had great seats. We had great seats. So we sat and watched the game. Everybody was, you know, kind of revved up a little bit. It was, it was an electric atmosphere. And we watched the game, and we watched as Jeff Carter sk- skated down the ice and scored the first goal for the Penguins. And the crowd went nuts. It sounded something like this. <laughs> 
exciting, exciting. And then just a, just a few minutes later, Brian Rust from our team, he got the puck and he skated down the ice and he put it in the back of the net and the crowd went nuts again like this. Now, after these first two goals, the crowd started sort of a different kind of cheering, too. I mean, you have to kind of call it jeering, because at this point in the game, uh, uh, the crowd started to sort of chant at the Rangers' goalie. Now, his name is and was Igor Shesterkin. So the crowd started yelling, Igor, 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 right? To, to sort of get under his skin. Now, I will not confirm or deny whether I participated in, in that, right? In that. But, but nevertheless, the crowd was behind this team, right? It was electrifying. Now, the next part of the game what was a little bit of a letdown. The Rangers came back and scored three goals, right? So they were taking the lead. But I tell you, the crowd was still in it. The, the, the crowd was still in it. The Penguins had not lost the crowd. In fact, we were so in it, we were so on the edge of our seats that when Gino Malkin interrupted a pass between the two Rangers defensemen at the blue line and skated all by himself on a breakaway down the middle of the ice and buried it in the back of the net, I tell you, the place went bonkers. It sounded like this. Or even that up a hundred decibel levels. I mean, the crowd was losing their minds, right? A tie game, the place was on fire. I don't think in any sports event I've ever been in, I've heard a crowd as loud as that crowd. The roof was going to blow off. Nothing, I tell you, nothing was going to stand between the fans and their team. Until, <laughs> of course... When Chris Kreider of the Rangers threw that soft little lob up at Louis Domingue, he put his gloved hand up in the air and it hit the top of his glove and then went right back into the goal, right? It was a bad goal, a soft goal as we call it in hockey, given up by the spicy pork and broccoli eating goalie. And at this point, the crowd went silent. Okay. And then when the Rangers scored their fifth goal, just, gosh, it was just like 20 or 30 seconds later, you could hear a strange sound in that arena. And it started, it started far off, like sort of in the ocean when, when waves start way, way, way out to sea and they start small and they build and they build and they build and they build as they come to shore. That's what this sound sounded like. Started small and then it built as it grew. And the sound was this. Boo! I couldn't even believe it. Just a few people and then more and more and more, boo, right, to our beloved pens. What a change. The crowd was not only deflated, the crowd was angry with those boos echoing off the rafters. 
And of course, we lost the, the next game too, right? And then we were out of the playoffs. How, how could a crowd, how could a crowd go from cheering, yay, pens, let's go pens, the one moment, and boo, the next? Oh, those simpletons, those simpletons of the first century, how could they do? Oh, wait a second. That was just a year ago, wasn't it? And that was us. That was me. That was me, right? Behaving like that. Truth is, we are all capable of giving short-term support for Jesus like he had on that first Palm Sunday. We are capable of gobbling up spicy pork and broccoli one day and then throwing the leftovers in the garbage the next. We're all capable of coming to church on Sunday and then forgetting what we learned on Monday. It's our nature as human beings. We're fickle people. We are. But the good news, my friends, right, I always try to bring you good news. The good news is that the story of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter does not depend on our fickleness. The story of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter does not depend on our inability to save ourselves. The story of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter depends on God, who fulfills his plan of salvation regardless of how little or how much we participate. The story of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter depends on the actions of God and God alone. A God who who sent his son to be cheered on Palm Sunday, then sent his son to be crucified on Friday, and then raised that son up from the dead on Easter Sunday. The story of Palm Sunday, Holy Week, and Easter, a week that changed the world forever, is for all of us. All of us, all of us weak, fragile, and yes, even fickle people who need that Savior on the donkey, who need that Savior on the cross, who need that Savior on Easter morning, and, and well, I could go on and on and on for another hour about how great our God is. But you know what? I better stop talking because Jesus has got that dinner invitation to get to. Praise be to God. Amen.